You're listening to the Casting for Fun podcast, the show that talks about entertainment, sports, music, and inspirational stories for all to enjoy. We're glad you could join us today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. Welcome, everybody, to the Casting for Fun podcast. I'm your host, Albert Pineda. And for this week's episode, I have a very special guest. My good friend, Sean Lovano, returns to the podcast. Before we get to Sean, though, I have another special guest ready to join me right now. It's my daughter, Avery. Avery, say hello. Hi. What do you want to say? Merry Christmas. Thank you, sweetheart. Merry Christmas to all the listeners. We hope you're enjoying your the, the holiday season Daddy. and you're having lots of fun with Daddy your family. Tell, tell. And for this week's episode, my good friend, Sean Lovano, is returning to the show uh, to talk uh, World Cup soccer. Uh, again, we absolutely love when the World Cup's going on, and there's definitely more to recap. Since the last time I talked the World Cup with uh, my good friends, uh, Derek and Marcel. So Sean and I talk about uh, Sean's take on how the United States men's national team did in Qatar. And we also give our takes on uh, the quarterfinal matchups that we got to see over the weekend. And uh, along with talking about the World Cup, we also get to talk about Wakanda Forever. The, the Black Panther sequel, our thoughts on that and how we enjoyed that movie. We also touch on the recent passing of a notable soccer journalist, uh, Grant Wall, who passed away on Friday, December 9th. Uh, you know, it was actually kind of interesting in the news. This was kind of overshadowed a little bit, but uh, apparently a Qatari uh, journalist had also passed away kind of unexpectedly. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Khalid Al-Islam. Uh, I hope I got his name right. So my deepest condolences to both uh, Grant Wall and to Mr. Al-Masan uh, for their passings. And again, um, they died doing what they love doing, covering soccer, which is unfortunate. But I mean, I guess uh, they hopefully found some happiness. And again, it's, it's, you know, it's nice that I got to read in reports that uh, Grant Wall's body was returned to the States so his family can have a proper burial for him. And his brother uh, believes that foul play was not a factor now in his passing. So I guess there's uh, maybe some consolation people can take in that. So we, and we did to touch briefly on Grant Wall's passing. We also discuss, uh, oh, I'm sorry. We, I wanted to make a correction with uh, my statement that Croatia doesn't have any big name players, <laughs> even though I did say Croatia is a great team. Uh, they do have uh, Luka, uh, Luka uh, Mudrik, who is absolutely a big time player. In fact, if you get a chance, Google search his name and read about his childhood history. It's pretty interesting to learn of the traumatic childhood he had to go through in order to become one of the world's best soccer players. Uh, but this recording is taking place, or this uh, intro for Sean's uh, podcast is taking place shortly after Argentina defeated Croatia. So we know Argentina is going to the World Cup final. Tomorrow is the other semifinal game between France and Morocco. So we'll find out who it's going to be. Uh, my money's on France, but we'll see. <laughs> that should be uh, great either way. And then last but not least, I wanted to mention that uh, Sean and I, and during the section when we're talking about Wakanda Forever, we talk about Angela Bassett potentially being nominated for awards for her performance as Queen Romanda in the movie. And sure enough, on Monday, uh, the uh, 12th, December 12th, it was announced that she's been nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress, so good for her. And I wanted to make one quick correction as well. Uh, I made the comparison of uh, King T'Challa, Black Panther, as being like a James Bond type character. And if that were the case, Shuri, his sister, would be his M. Uh, I made a mistake. <laughs> M is the leader of MI6. I meant to say Q. Q is was the, the gadget man for, for James Bond. So Shuri would be uh, Black Panther's Q, being providing the gadgets for him, or as she did in the first movie. So again, that's a minor thing. I guess most of my listeners probably wouldn't care, but something like that kind of just irks me a little bit. So I just wanted to make that correction. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening to the Casting for Fun podcast. And now here is my conversation with Sean about uh, World Cup 2022 and Wakanda Forever. Returning to the Casting for Fun podcast is my very good friend, Sean Lovano. Sean, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? Doing well too. It's it's good to see you and uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you, my friend. Likewise, man. Likewise. Hope you have a good time with your family. Thanks. Yeah, it's, it's been fun so far. I mean, I love the festivities. Everything we do leading up to Christmas itself, like it almost kind of seems that all the fun things you do actually overshadows Christmas Day itself, which almost sometimes can be kind of a letdown. Sometimes, I guess. I don't know. 
Yeah, honestly, my favorite thing, I think my best Christmas day, like, was when we went to go see Sherlock Holmes when it first oh. came out. Oh, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> Christmas day after the morning breakfast, it's eh. Yeah, and then you have that whole, like, week until New Year's, and it's just kind of like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, exactly. But, uh, well, very nice, man, very nice. Well, the cool thing right with the holiday season for sure has been that the World Cup's been going on. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I mean, there's ton to talk about for the, the quarterfinal matches and then some of the other uh, things that have been happening in Qatar. Then, of course, I'm very, very excited to chat some uh, Wakanda forever for you because there's a lot of talking points with uh, with that movie. Oh, yeah, man. I'm excited, man. Let's uh, let's get into this. Very cool. Very cool. So before we get to the on-field stuff, I, I do want to at least acknowledge and, and bring up the unfortunate passing of Grant Wall. Uh, it took me by a huge shock and surprise because he had been tweeting during the, the uh, Argentina Netherlands game uh, when, when he actually collapsed in the, the press box. And then the, the day before he had recorded his, his podcast, he does a podcast talking soccer and yeah. he admitted on his podcast that he'd been feeling ill, like with bronchitis and Hachi went to the hospital while he was there. But uh, yeah, the whole thing just struck me as bizarre and weird and very unfortunate, very sad that it happened. Yeah, man, it's, um, I don't know if there's a lot to, I mean, a sudden death is, is always, you know, unfortunate and, you know, insane, but mm-hmm. I just, just so much behind it just because of the location and what was going on beforehand. And, you know, it's just his, I didn't know that his wife was one, like one of the country's top, uh, medical doctors. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's just like. I'm sure he was getting sound medical advice and he's being seen, but to possibly have bronchitis to dying, that's, you know, zero to 100, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, I don't, I mean, I don't want to speculate because, I mean, I don't want to get in trouble, but at the same time, it's kind of like uh, my podcast only, I have an average of maybe like 40 streams, downloads per episode. (laughs) So it's not like the the higher ups at FIFA are listening to to us talk. Or, or at least the, the, the Qatar government's listening to us talk. But uh, yeah, like you said, the whole thing does seem kind of suspicious and odd, um, you know, given the fact that he was detained during the USA-Wales game for wearing a, a pro-LGBTQ uh, uh, t-shirt, right? Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, I there's like tons of opinions out there at the end of the day. Um, you know, it's everyone has their freedom to live the way they want to live. Mm-hmm. And that's and I think that's great. And, you know, we should always respect that. But you're in a country whose culture and religion um, are go hand in hand. And so, you know, it's just, you know, I, that's the reason why there's so much controversy behind his death, just because of a T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, yeah, that's insane. Um. But, but now all that being said, I mean, he truly loved the game. So that was pretty cool to tell that, you know, he... Uh, would constantly uh, be writing good journalism about it. You know, he he was very much uh, actively involved uh, in the you know reporting of soccer. And uh, you know, I remember the first reporting that I can remember him doing was you know he wrote the the Beckham book, the Beckham Experiment. And I remember at the time I was kind of annoyed because like it kind of painted the galaxy and Beckham in a bad light. But uh, after the fact, you know, he had lots of positive things to say about Beckham's tenure in playing for uh, in America and for major league soccer and about the galaxy. So I guess I forgave him for that, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he truly loved the game. So uh, my deepest condolences go out to his wife, his family and everyone that um, called him a friend. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, it's a great loss to the U S soccer or soccer community in general. I mean, this was his third or fourth world cup. Um, I believe. Um, I was hear something about it, and for a U.S. journalist to be around the World Cup that long, it's you know not not heard of. And he was very well respected, and yeah, I'm definitely gonna miss um, his reporting, his tweets for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is cool that he did take the time to record his thoughts in a podcast. So you know you can go back and re-listen to those episodes. But uh, I have to admit, I, I did listen to the episode he recorded on on Thursday, and he talked about some interesting points that I kind of want to get into with you as well. But there's a part of me that almost feels like kind of like, like uh, I don't know, like I don't want to use the word creeped out, but it's just a, a little odd, like you know, listening to it where he was talking. 
he 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 fully expected to to uh, be in attendance for the England uh, France game, and he, obviously he wasn't there because of the yeah. Uh, it's weird listening to a podcast whose son who's passed away, but his words are still very much relevant and something that's going on. You know, yeah, I definitely feel that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get getting back to the the, the on field product itself. So I presented this question to Marcelo and Derek when I had them on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, do you like the 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 change in scheduling? I mean, obviously they had to do it this way to accommodate the 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 heat, the extreme heat of Qatar during the summer. Uh, and I know there could have been some proponents or detractors against it, like switching it to the you know the the fall going into the winter. But to be honest, like I love the Black Friday game against England. It was just really cool to have something awesome to watch with my family during the holiday season. So this time of year has actually been kind of cool, I thought. So so I want to get your thoughts. Do you like the the schedule of playing in November, December versus the summertime? As an American, uh, yes, because of holidays. I was kind of hoping for it to kind of go through Christmas, kind of. Because, yeah. no, we have, um, you know, basketball on Christmas and football on Thanksgiving, stuff like that. But as a soccer fan, I don't like it at all. And <laughs> as being a host country for the next World Cup, no, because you're trying to make World Cup uh, traveling with the people traveling to see their families is just going to be horrible. And um, yeah, no, I like it more in the summer. Um, I maybe because as a kid, I remember when I was in the Big World Cup, like all we did was watch the games. You know, and it was it was nice. Um, I mean, it's fun to have during the holidays, but I like it more in the summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I guess the good news is, is that this will be probably the last time, the one and only time that they do it this way. <laughs> I mean, unless someone else uh, from a hot country uh, buys a World Cup or yeah, wins really. a bid. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm... Yeah, true that, man. <laughs> Very cool, man. Very cool. So, so again, when uh, when I had the conversation with Derek and Marcelo a few weeks ago, we we focused very heavily on how the uh, the men's national team, Team USA, did. So, I wanted to get your take. Uh, what did you think of their overall performance from those four games, the the group stage games, and of course the game against the Netherlands? Um, the confidence. I don't think I've ever seen the U.S. collectively confident. I mean, you see like Clint Dempsey or Josie Outs or even then Donovan. They have they would have their moments. But I think the U.S., they were able to kind of slow down a little bit and play their way confidently. But I feel about I think even though their game has elevated, you see their lack of experience at a higher level. Mm -hmm. But I'm very I'm very hopeful. I mean, Hercules Gomez doesn't believe we'll win a World Cup, but I'm very hopeful that they can make it to a quarterfinal for sure. Um in four years oh yeah absolutely maybe even you know like you know turn some heads make it to the semifinals who knows but uh the main takeaways i got from uh, my conversation with marcelo and Derek was that you know the, the the midfield and defensively like the u.s is stacked they're so solid with uh uh tyler adams and uh weston mckinney and sergino des and then um uh, you throw in uh, Tim Weah, you know, tons of really great talent, Christian Pulisic as well. Uh, I guess the the takeaway we kind of came up with was that they're really lacking a striker. So that, that true number nine. Um, yeah. And uh, hopefully they can, you know, fix those problems in the next, uh, within the next cycle so that we do have someone who can be called upon to, to be like that finisher of goals. But uh, yeah, with the, the combination playing the midfield I, resulted in some really cool goals, like the goal against uh, Wales with uh, Pulisic and Wea combining each to each other. But yeah, Derek made the point that we're really missing that 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 killer instinct, uh, number nine. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, the player I feel has a, the, the, a killer instinct at times the most is Serginho Dest. I've become such a huge fan of him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm going to start watching uh, Serie A. He plays for, is it? Uh, Milan, I think. AC Milan. AC Milan, yeah. You know, so. Um, but yes, we we are missing that striker. We're missing someone who's confident and who wants the ball because he know he'll be able to take it in. But I just love how the U.S., they're able to make the place. And I think that's the final piece. And I think as far as like the coaching side, I think I, I like Burhalter and what he's done with such a short time, mm-hmm. but I think uh, either he 
uh, he can grow or find someone who's able to make those in-game adjustments and the team understand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, was there anything else with uh, Team USA that you wanted to bring up or do you want to bring go into the, the quarterfinal games? You know, I think Pulisic, Pulisic should have um, rode the bench the, the last game. He was injured. He wasn't up to par. I mean, for sure, bring him in in the second half. But I think um, even though he almost had a goal in the first uh, three, four minutes there, mm-hmm. um, he could tell he just wasn't wasn't 100%. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, Eric even mentioned in our, our previous conversation, he actually thought that uh, Aronson actually was uh, looking sharper and, and better than Pulisic. Yes, Aronson. I mean, Aronson, man, that guy, well, his story is amazing. But yeah, Aronson, I think um, I think he's going to battle against uh, Pulisic for playing time in the future. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good battle. I mean, I w- we want to see him uh, competing for other spots to, to make sure we get the best out of all our players. Yeah, I just hope he could, you know, put some muscle on him. Yeah. <laughs> himself yeah very nice very nice so so let's move into the 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 quarterfinal matchup so there was four really exciting matchups uh three of the four no 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 i'm sorry two of the four went to penalty kicks which is really crazy like uh to think you know the brazil croatia game and then the netherlands argentina game uh the brazil game uh it was it was so interesting so it was going on while i was at work and i was able to see neymar score score his goal and i was so excited and happy and, you know, it's pretty cool that Neymar tied uh, Pele for uh, 77 international goals with that particular one. Of course, uh, Pele did it in a few far fewer games than Neymar did. So, but it's, it's still a, a quite the accomplishment. But so I was at work and then a customer came in. So I had to leave and assist the customer. I come back and then Croatia scored the equalizer. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. I was thinking, oh, Brazil's got it in the bag and they go to penalty kicks and Brazil gets their hearts broken. So it, it was pretty devastating for some of my buddies who I know really wanted to see Brazil go through. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I, uh, I games like that, you kind of wish – I hate ties, and mm-hmm. I just wish they could always go to penalties. But a game like that, I just wish – uh, they just played till you know like a sudden death. Yeah, it it was such a great game. Neymar, uh, I feel bad for Neymar. I feel uh, you know bad for the Brazilian fans, but um, Croatia, man, they uh they just have a hunger like Morocco. They just have this hunger that, um, you know, I think that's what's giving them the edge. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It it's been uh, actually kind of exciting to see these teams just kind of uh you know, just emerge. And I mean, well, Croatia has been a, a good team for a while, but, yes. uh, but I guess not really as flashy, like it's big, as much big names as say like, you know, Argentina or Brazil or France. So it is kind of cool to see them, you know, coming forward the way they are in Morocco. We'll get to Morocco as well. Uh, one other point that I wanted to bring up from that matchup, uh, it looks like Neymar was kind of hinting that he could be done with international football. So, I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, again, uh, with, you know, mon- people, I mean, teams willing to throw money at players. I mean, we'll see if he, he goes somewhere else or um, we'll see if he actually is done playing for Brazil. But it, it could be the end for Neymar for, for now. Yeah, it's interesting to see what's going to happen. I think he's more worried about definitely um, what's going to happen with uh, his club. Yeah. Because I know Mbappe is going to be leaving, right? I think so. Uh, I, I think it's for sure or... Uh, yeah, in the new year. And so it's going to be him, Neymar, and Messi at PSG. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just think um, Neymar, I think once he gets that situated, um, I see him coming back one more time. Because mm-hmm. that Brazilian team, they're a young team. They did very, I think they did re- very well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll definitely uh, see more of them in the future, which would be pretty cool. Uh, Netherlands and Argentina. This one was very interesting. So this one, I mean, again, also happened while I was at work. Uh, don't tell the bosses. I was able to watch the whole thing this time un- uninterrupted. So no customers came in, but, uh, but uh, uh, this game was, was pretty crazy and wild and got really chippy. Uh, so yeah. it was uh, very interesting to watch. Oh, go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, I, I, as soon as, uh, Netherlands beat the U S and, you know, they were going to play Argentina. I just, I had a feeling this was going to be one of the best games of the world's cup. You know, you have Messi who wants to do it and has that weight on his shoulder. 
and Virgil, same way, very similar. You know, they've gone to the final three times and, you know, can't pull off a win. And so it was very, uh, very evenly matched, I think. I, However, I believe Netherlands, they looked a little tired, mm-hmm. in my opinion. You know, um, whereas Argentina, they they were they are very they were very determined but i think netherlands just looked a little tired oh yeah uh, but i mean it went to pks oh yeah that was really exciting really cool in fact uh yeah so the the equalizing goal that uh i have his name in my notes i hope i don't butcher it uh walt weg weg horse weg horse for for the dutch uh, I mean, it was such a simple, basic goal, but it was so beautifully done. It was actually one of my favorite goals. The fact that instead of kicking it over the wall, like, you know, we just kind of kicked it on the floor. And that's why you can see sometimes certain players will have a player lie down behind the wall. So I guess exactly. the people for doing that. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. It, right. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost like one of those like school, schoolyard plays that you just run like that. So the fact that it got done on the grand stage was like so beautiful to see. It was actually really fun. Yeah, man. You know, when that goal happened, uh, you know, we just I couldn't believe it, man. It was um, it was it lived up to the hype. Yeah. You know, I was I mean, I'm a big fan of Virgil. Well, because he plays for Liverpool. Um, <laughs> But man, he's had he had some amazing blocks, like shots on goal that he blocked with his body. And it just goes to show why he's like top 10 best player in the world, at least in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then speaking of the, the, you know, the chippiness of the game. So you had the, the Argentine player, uh, Leandro Paredes, uh, you know, just do, do a sliding tackle on one of the Dutch players, uh, Nathan Ecke, if I have his name right in my notes, and then just kick the ball at the bench, at the, the Dutch bench. It didn't make any sense to me. In fact, I remember Grant Wall, you know, your rest in peace, Grant, he tweeted like, you know, I guess moments before he he collapsed, like, you know, saying that. Uh, Paredes probably should have been sent uh, sent off with a red for doing that. But again, I, I don't know. Do, did you hear like what the, the actual issue was or what happened? No, I don't. But to be honest, I'm not surprised it's Argentina. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, there's just one of those teams where those players, they're just um, very arrogant, very, you know, have really high ego and they don't uh-huh. get their way. You know, they they whine like babies. But I think that's the majority of uh, of um soccer players but no i don't know what happened but it doesn't surprise me that their emotions get the best of um, the situation no absolutely man yeah yeah and then like you mentioned i mean it went to pks and it was really it could have gone either way so it was really exciting to see the penalty shootout um and then argentina came ahead so that that was uh that was fun to see i mean again i i'd love it if messi won his championship uh yeah to to complete it i mean i I won't necessarily complete claim to be like the biggest messy fan but i think it would be i think he's deserving of, of winning a world cup yeah i think I, I think he's definitely deserving um and it just it kind of stinks that a lot of people say well yeah he's a great cup player but unless he wins a cup for argentina it's you know his his uh career doesn't you know isn't all that and i think that's that's too bad and didn't he quit the or say he was going to quit the national team before this world cup I don't remember. That was, that, that was in limbo. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I remember hearing some that it was in limbo. He wasn't sure about coming back, but um, um, I I just like his composure, man. He's probably the most. He looks the most comfortable, most composed person in all of soccer, in my opinion. Oh yeah, yeah, very nice, man. So uh, Portugal and Morocco. This game was the only one I didn't catch. Uh, I, I was a little too busy on Saturday morning with the kids, but. Uh, yeah, so so did you happen to catch that one? And can you feel me? Yeah, exactly. Dude, Mo- Port- yeah, Morocco's defense, man, they're they're just a wall, you know. And um, I really felt that Portugal was gonna win, but it was one of those situations where I don't think they they didn't respect uh, Morocco and their defense like they should have. No, you know, and, and for them to hold out. Um, I'm horrible at details. I mean, I probably should have watched highlights and taken notes. But the one thing, the one thing that stands out is is their defense and um, how big was surprised they've been the whole tournament. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I had heard that. So uh, uh, this uh, this particular game and the game before that Portugal played, uh, the, the, Ronaldo was on the bench. Was that right? Yeah, I saw. So I heard he he was benched. 
because of his uh, I guess attitude from the last last game. Oh really? Huh. Oh yeah, I think it's, there's some personal issues there. I think with him and the the coach, but um, I mean Ronaldo's on his way out. I mean he's where he. I, I think um, he's uh, has a lot more to look forward to making two hundred million a year in Saudi Arabia. Oh yeah, that's what I guess it had been announced before the World Cup started that he was already out of uh, Manchester United, right? Yeah, yeah, and you know, that was a big shock. And then when that contract came out, like, I don't know how focused he was. But um, yeah, I mean, not gonna lie. If someone's gonna offer me that much money, um, I don't know how hard I'd play in the World Cup. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So um, yeah, it, it was shocking to not see Ronaldo play um, like he should, and I just think he kind of did it to himself. I guess you know, he he should be a starter, mm-hmm. you know, but. Um, all I know is that uh, they all they're all beefing with the referee. Pepe doesn't like the ref. They're all complaining about the referee. How you making he was making bad calls or should have made calls, but you know that's um, European soccer players for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, very nice, man. Uh, so last, last but not least, uh, England and France. Uh, you know the French are looking fantastic. I mean, they they got to be maybe the favorites at this point, which is kind of interesting when. Uh, I recorded with uh, Derek and Marcelo. Both of them had actually picked France to win the whole thing. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, England came so close to tying it. I, I actually feel kind of bad for Harry Kane. Uh, but, I mean, you know, they, I think both both PKs were well-deserved. Uh, I guess, uh, but the the goalie for France, he, he plays with Harry Kane, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I guess they, they do know each other pretty well. Uh, but again, so I, I don't know, man, I, under the pressure, maybe it seems like it'd be easy to convert or at least get it on frame. But the fact that he would shoot it over the bar, uh, it was pretty crazy. I thought, yeah, you know, man, that's, it goes to show like, it's so easy to, to say, you know, you gotta, you leaned it back too much on that kick, but you know, he's one of the world's best players at the highest level at the biggest game. And to still do it, like, it just goes to show we really don't know what it takes for those moments, you know? And oh, yeah. I, f- I felt bad for him in that moment. I mean, I wanted France to win. I would love for him to go back to back, but I really felt bad for Kane in that moment. You know, he's had such a great uh, career. He's a great player. Um, Yeah. Oh, well said, man. Well said. Uh, was there any other talking points that you had from any of the four uh, uh, quarterfinal games? Mbappe. Um Mbappe is such an amazing player at such a young age. It's oh yeah. He he's what? He's 23. You yeah, know, 23 and uh, uh, leading the the tournament in goals with five goals, right? Yeah, yeah, four or five. But I, I five, um, I five. Yeah, um I'm excited to see where he goes next as far as a club. But yeah, I think I I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be them and Argentina in the final. And I think it's going to be probably one of the best finals in a long time. Oh, awesome, man. Awesome. So do you have a winner then in mind, do you think, if it comes down between those two? France. Oh, France. Oh, France. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. I think I'm inclined to agree with uh, with you guys now. Uh, before I initially had picked Brazil, but then, you know, the, you know it's, it's kind of funny. My, my Brazilian friend from my mission, who I talk to often on social media, he's always critical of the team. Like, like they're never good enough. Like, and he was even saying that before the tournament started, which I thought was kind of funny. So maybe I should have listened to him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, right now, to me, it's like, you know, it's possible that it could be anyone's game. But France, I think, is looking really, really good. So I think it's going to be a huge effort on whoever beats them to actually do so. You know, I, I, I could see why your friend's really critical of his country's team. Or, or I don't know what I was doing. Uh, it just happened on YouTube. But a highlight uh, reel came up of Brazil in like early thousands. When you had Ronaldo, Rolandinho, Kaká, Roberto Carlos. And I was like, oh, man, that team was insane. Yeah. Compare that team to this team, total different beast. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> very nice, man. Very nice. Uh, anything else from the World Cup that you wanted to bring up or discuss? I mean, uh, we also kind of talked about favorite goals, like from the t- whole tournament thus far. And uh, besides that, I got sneaky trick play that the, that the Dutch pulled off. Uh, I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of uh, the uh, Richarlison's goal against uh, who was that again? Who were they, uh, were they playing Mexico in that game? 
the, the you know, okay. actually, one of my favorite goals was I think at Suarez from Mexico was that was it the indirect kick. Oh, I think I, I think I remember that one. Yeah, that that I think that's one of the top goals in the World Cup. But I thought I thought that was nice, and it goes uh goes to show that uh, Mexico is very talented, but they just can't pull it together in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it will be interesting to see when it comes back to to uh, North America. So when when USA, Mexico, and Canada are all hosting games and more CONCACAF teams are involved, more overall teams are involved. I think that's going to be really interesting to see in uh, 2026. Oh, yeah, man. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm already researching how to register for tickets, when to register for tickets. My family, Guadalajara, like, we made a plan. Like, we get tickets here, and they get tickets for us there. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, nice. we're excited. Yeah, yeah. I'd be so excited just to catch any game. Even if it's not USA, I'd be willing to go to any game I can. Oh, same, same. <laughs> Hopefully, I mean, I'm assuming... Since we're one of the, the host countries, the U.S. is going to play in the States, you know, at least in the group stage. So hopefully we get one in L.A. We should. In fact, if I remember correctly, I don't have my notes in front of me but or for, for that. But I believe all this host cities for, for all three nations have been announced already for USA, oh. Can- Canada and Mexico. So if you, oh, if you yeah, Google search it, you could probably find which major cities. And L.A. is definitely one of the. I think it's so, so in California, it's SoFi and Levi Stadium, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but I just hope one of the U.S. games is is in L.A. That would be yeah. great. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. Uh, very cool, man. So if uh, that's it for the World Cup, let's go ahead and jump into some uh, Wakanda Forever talk. All right, let's do this. Very cool, man. So, you know, it, it's very interesting that uh, how everything played out after the passing of Chadwick Boseman. When I heard the news, I was so devastated. I was so bummed out because uh, I was a huge fan of the other work he's done, you know, the you know, uh, 42 playing Jackie Robertson and then uh, uh, get on up playing James Brown. And then of course, Black Panther, which is fantastic. And then all the appearances he's done, you know, civil war and infinity war Endgame. Uh, even though Endgame was just a small role he had, it was still just really great to see him interacting and, you know, being heroic with the other heroes. And I can see what it would mean to the, the black community to have like the, the role model and icon that, that he was for them. So uh, do you remember the how you felt, or you when you heard the news that of his passing? Man, I I was really sad. I was um, he was he's an icon for playing these roles of popular um, you know, black people and just portraying them very well, uh, portraying them very well. And so he wasn't just a black actor; he was an actor for the culture. You could say, you know, yeah. and he just. I mean, Ryan Coogler did such a great job with Black Panther. Like, I always thought he was cool, but he became one of my favorites, you know? And it's just one of those roles where they found the perfect actor for the role, you oh, know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was just really sad, um, you know? Um, and I, I feel bad. I felt really bad for Ryan Coogler because I know he finished the script when... He suddenly passed and no one knew he was sick. Only, you know, his immediate circle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, you know, uh, there was also, you know, going back to podcasts, uh, there was a podcast that he had recorded in an interview, like the Black Panther podcast. And he talked about that, that he started the writing process shortly after uh, the first one came out and the script was done uh, in the summer of uh, 2020. And he even like, you know, called Chadwick, uh, Ryan Cougar, the director, and said, hey, would you like to read the script and take a look before I submit it to Marvel and then get the, the executive's approval? And I guess he had told them that uh, that he, he didn't want to you know, step on any toes or you know, whatever the studio wants. It's fine. But what he later found out was that he was just too sick and tired to even read it. And then sure enough that he would pass away shortly after that. So I mean, oh, that must have been really devastating for for Ryan Coogler, for uh, Letitia Wright, who played Shuri, Angela Bassett, the entire cast, uh, uh, you know, lose like, you know, a, a dear friend to them. So uh, the question I kind of wanted to ask you, though, Sean, I know it was kind of con- um, uh, there, there was mixed re- feelings and mixed reactions to the news that they weren't going to recast. And I know that's such a difficult thing to have to deal with for the executives and for the filmmakers if they they want to recast. Uh, would you have recast it if you had if it was up to you if you were one of the higher ups at Marvel Studios or Disney? No, no, no. I don't think anyone could have filled Chadwick Boseman's shoes. I think the thing with Chadwick Boseman, 
he plays a great uh Black Panther, but he plays it even better um T'Challa, King T'Challa. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think my favorite, my favorite Batman as far as Bruce Wayne might be um Christian Bale, and my favorite Batman look is uh Ben Affleck, right? Yeah. Um you know, the only actor I could maybe see them recast would be John David Washington, which is Denzel Washington's son. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think he would have been a good choice. But I think after seeing the film, I'm glad they didn't recast. Oh, okay. That, that, that's, a, that's a cool opinion. Good to hear that. Uh, to be honest, I was kind of leaning more towards recasting. And, and, uh, and John David Washington would have been my pick. But again, it's it's such a hard thing to have to deal with for the the, the studio execs to say what they want to do because of how much he meant to the role and how uh, important he was culturally to that role. So again, I, I don't envy their position at all uh, because part of me wanted to probably would have recast it just to continue the story of T'Challa because with so many cool stories they could have told. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think I agree with you. I think the movie we got was good. Uh, so I wanted to, I guess, uh, ask you then, do you like uh, Shuri play- taking on the role of Black Panther or would you have preferred to see any of the other characters still uh, around to take on the role, the mantle of Black Panther? Um, honest, I don't care for Shuri's Black Panther. However, <laughs> I, I do like the story of how and why she became Black Panther. I think that storyline is great for the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, I would have enjoyed, I would have enjoyed, um, uh, okay, you okay, uh, Okoye, I think it's technically Okoye, yeah. I would have, I, I thought that would have been a, a really cool Black Panther, to be honest. I, I, I agree with you, Sean. In fact, uh, I mean, Shuri, I mean, the, the, the actress, Letitia Wright, she did great on the role, but uh, Allison made the point when we saw it, like, she looks really skinny and small, <laughs> so it's yeah. no disrespect intended to her, but uh, I think she would have done better suited for playing the the role of like the, the M, like you know, like James Bond's gadget man. Exactly. Uh, and Okoye, I think if you wanted to use a female Black Panther, I think she would have been a better choice. Or potentially uh, uh, bring M'Baku in. Or one wild rumor that I kind of heard before when like they were kind of talking about like the multiverse of madness, like Doctor Strange, all these weird things they could do. Like if they somehow brought back an alternate version of Killmonger to have Michael C. Jordan take on the role of uh, uh, Black I, Panther, that would have been I thought I think that would have been cool. And I think... Um, because I think it would have been nice to have a, um, and I think Killmonger would have fit that role very well as kind of being an anti-hero. Uh-huh. Because now you see uh, Queen uh, Ramonda, who becomes very defensive. Yeah. And and not taking any more BS because they're trying to take the vibranium, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I could see Killmonger... Um, being that presence like oh no they're not going to put up with us because he's that type of you know uh person um Letitia Wright I mean even uh how do you say her name okay uh, yeah. she she's small and skinny but the thing is she has presence that's why I think she would have been a better black man she has more more of a presence uh physically and um you know but um yeah that's, yeah, uh, she, she played there. the role of uh, Michonne in The Walking Dead. I don't know if you if you've seen watched The Walking Dead at all. No, I didn't. Oh, okay, yeah, she she plays a you know like uh she she wields like you know katana swords and like chops up zombies all the time. So. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so she's she's definitely played the role of action hero before action heroine. Um, I wanted to ask you about Neymar. Uh, I apologize that I don't have the actor's note name in my notes here, but I thought he was fantastic in the role. Tino Chuarta. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that, and Tenoch. it's. It's interesting that this was his very first role ever, right? Very first acting role. No, oh no, oh no, he, oh, no. He he was a he, he was a popular actor in Latin America, mostly in Mexico. He was in uh, I believe the first season in Narcos Mexico. He was like the Big Ten Narco. If I remember correctly, he played the the drug dealer who created Sensamia, the the like marijuana, like seedless marijuana. Oh, okay. okay. So he had he had a very big role on Netflix's Narcos, and oh. he's done other stuff. He's actually he's really popular. He's actually a big get for um the indigenous people in Mexico. Oh, okay. So he would have perfect for the role then. So so what did you think of his performance? And uh, you know, it's also interesting to note that in the original draft that Kugler had written with uh, with Chad McBolson still in mind to return, uh, according to him, uh, Namor was always going to be the antagonist. 
So that, that would have been cool to have seen like, you know, a T'Challa versus Namor type of role. But uh, so what did you think of his performance in the movie? Uh, I think it was great. I think um, he's, he was really, he's really subtle, he's, especially in his threats. But I think his actions um, backed up what he said. So his subtleness is kind of, at least for me, like when he told Shiri, like, I'm giving you a week to bury your dead and to mourn. He said it really calm, but he said it in such a way like um, it was all it's scary. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't shy. He wasn't yelling. He wasn't puffing his chest up. And I just think that he was able to do that so well. I was really I was really surprised and really pleased with um, his acting. Oh, yeah, me too. So definitely looking forward to seeing more of him in the MCU. And I'm sure we will. Because and it's really cool that we finally get to see like one of those old school like uh, uh, Marvel comic characters, Namor, who actually technically predates Aquaman, which is kind of interesting to think. Yeah, you know, and I I I I get why they did it commercially, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna geek out a little bit here, but I've always thought like, why don't they have a Mesoamerican like villain or hero? Because as a kid. My dad was always into archaeology. He took us yeah. to Mexico to see the pyramids. I served my mission in the Yucatan Peninsula. Like I, I, um, you know, I learned to Maya because Maya is, you know, people speak a lot of Maya still over there. Mm-hmm. And so there's just a lot of dope stuff. And and for Ryan Coogler to not only decide to do a Meso- Mesoamerican character, but to do it so well to execute because I, I went in this movie ready to I was I went in very critical yeah of some of the stuff you know and it it just did everything very well oh awesome yeah I don't definitely agree man it was very uh, awesome and exciting to see him and you know continue on with uh, mutants being in the MCU uh, I guess his comic book origins is technically he is a mutant. So the first mutant isn't he the first mutant? Yeah, technically the first mutant in in publication history for Marvel. Even though I guess if you wanted to be technical, like again geeking out myself, uh, uh, Apocalypse, the X Men villain, I guess is the oldest mutant. So the first one on planet Earth. But as far as like publication history for comics goes, yeah, he's the very first one in uh, publication history, which is cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one other question that I had for for Black Panther, and I guess this is kind of leaning more towards uh what we could see in a, a potential third Black Panther movie. So in the, the podcast, again, with... Uh, oh no, I'm sorry, no, this wasn't a podcast with Coogler, but this was a YouTube video of uh, a guy who who watches all the you know MCU stuff, uh, uh, DC and, and uh, Star Wars, and uh, he, he scours the internet for information. And I guess he gathered lots of bits and pieces of interviews that had been done before with Coogler. And he drew the conclusion that uh, there was a, in the original script that we're, we were going to see more of like a, a potential like uh, corrupt branch of the U.S. government invade Wakanda, most likely over vibranium. And that was going to kind of lead towards the conflict between uh, Namor and his people versus Wakanda and King T'Challa, if he was still around. So it was interesting that we did get to see uh, uh, Contessa. So Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character make an appearance and then, you know, she arrests uh, um uh, Everett Ross for you know helping the Wakandans you know giving them information that she that he shouldn't have uh, so it's interesting that for me to see what could potentially happen in the future that we might see the the Thunderbolts uh, uh, align or, or come together under Contessa's like leadership to potentially wage war with uh, Wakanda so I'm kind of curious if you have any clues or suggestions as to what we might see in a third Black Panther movie based on what we saw in the previous one um from what I've heard and seen that um, I know they're doing a third one for sure, and most likely a fourth one. I don't know what a third one would look like, but the whole thing with the Thunderbolts, I think, um, is probably more likely. Um, but a lot of people speculate that in the fourth Black Panther, you're going to see uh, Toussaint go back to Wakanda and challenge to be Black Panther. Oh yeah, I think so. I that I think that'd be a really cool thing to see. And uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. I I I could see a thumb a thing with I could see like a war with the Thunderbolts in Wakanda, and then you know T'Challa or Prince T'Challa would go back to Wakanda, chance to become the Black Panther to kind of you know pick up the pick up the nation. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, again, that was kind of just like fan speculation that that it could be involved in that way. The Thunderbolts are waging war with Wakanda over what whatever it happens to be. Maybe because they're they're being misled by by Contessa, uh, which is kind of funny too to think that you know we have uh, it's been confirmed that Bucky is going to be part of the Thunderbolts. And uh, have you seen the the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. So I don't know if you want me to spoil this for you. It, it's no, actually kind of a funny thing. Okay, so. Uh, in the holiday special, Nebula gives Rocket Raccoon uh, Bucky's arm, vibranium arm, as a Christmas present. So oh, somehow she was able to get it from him. But I'm thinking, okay, so if Bucky's part of the Thunderbolts and he's missing his his uh, vibranium arm, does he go part of the team of the Thunderbolts and say, hey, I need my arm back? I lost it? Or I mean, it's kind of a humorous scene, but I, I wonder if that's going to get touched on if, it, in fact, it does turn out to be that. The Thunderbolts are fighting Wakanda in the the Thunderbolts movie or a potential Black Panther sequel. Oh, I mean, it's Marvel, so I'm I'm yeah. assuming there's going to be some sort of reference to that in yeah. the next movies. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like it's fan speculation, but that would be a good storyline. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, very cool, man. Uh, so. Overall, I enjoyed uh, Wakanda Forever. I thought it was really great. It was definitely one of my favorite movies of the, the year. Uh, I probably would still pick Top Gun Maverick as maybe like my favorite movie of the year. But how about I, I, oh, sorry, what's your favorite movie of this? Was it is this Phase Three that we just finished? Uh, phase Four. Phase Four. Phase Four. So, what's your favorite movie? Phase Four. Oh, for for sure, hands down, it's uh, uh Spider Man No Way Home. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's been uh, I know there's been some hit and misses with Marvel Phase Four. And I can definitely see that. Uh, but I think phase five is going to come out strong with uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp in Quantumania. And then uh, Secret Invasion shortly after that. So uh, it's a great time for, for comic book shows and movies. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for Ant-Man. Oh, well, I'm excited for anything Paul Rudd, really. But <laughs> um, yeah, I'm also excited to see where where they go with uh, Namor. I don't know if they're going to give him a Disney show or he's going to get his own movie. All I know is that the future of him was dependent on Wakanda Forever and how well it did. Oh, if that's the case, then we can see that his future is very bright because I think he was yes. very well received. Uh, there's potential. I mean, uh, I don't know if it will get the same praise as the first one did. I mean, maybe he'll get an Oscar nomination like the first one did. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think just based on the box office numbers and the praise of him as in the role, we're definitely going to see more of uh, Namor in the future. For sure, man. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I'm a huge fan. I read about all his Funkos. Oh, <laughs> very cool, man. Uh, did you have any other talking points from uh, Wakanda Forever? Um, You know, I think I just saw today they um, submitted a list for uh, a lot of uh, actors from Wakanda Forever to be considered for a nomination. And I think... But after I saw the movie the first time, I thought that Angela Bassett, I think she should be nominated for her role from Honda. Yeah, I think there's a, a, a good chance. Uh, probably won't win, but at least get nominated for Best Supporting Actress in uh, a role. Because again, her, her, role, her character was really, really special and important. And it's kind of interesting, too, which is one other side note with uh, the original script with Kugler. He didn't directly say it, but the, the YouTube channel guide that I recommended. Uh, his, his channel is called uh, New Rockstars, in case anybody's interested. He was theorizing that it wasn't going to be Romanda to die in the original script, but potentially Okoye or Mbaku instead. So that, oh. that would have been interesting to see who, who actually passed away if they got to keep their original script. Oh, that's interesting because I, I didn't imagine Romanda dying at all. Yeah, yeah. I did not see that coming. But then again, it just goes to show that Namor... Uh, he just means what he says. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, if you're not going to help him out, you're not going to do this. I'm going to come back tenfold. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very definitely menacing, just like the way he is in the comics. So I thought it was a very accurate portrayal. It was really great. Yeah. Um, anything else for tonight, Sean? Are we good to wrap up? Yeah, I think we're good to wrap up. Um, I hope everybody has enjoyed our podcast. Hope I didn't ramble too much. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's like totally holidays. fine if you did. In fact, sometimes I wonder if I do. Like, I, uh, for those <laughs> listening who maybe don't know that much deep into like the the comic book lore, hope I didn't bore you too much. But uh, oh, quick, I, quick I, question for you. Yeah, yeah. On an unrelated subject, so what do you think of Trey Turner signing with the Phillies? Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, you know what? 
Uh, I'm glad that the Dodgers didn't offer him that deal. I mean, that's way too long and way too much money. And, and my understanding was there's no trade, cl- there's a, a no trade clause as well. So uh, hypothetically, if, if Trey Turner isn't like producing, uh, the Phillies just can't get rid of him, right? Yeah, unless so, you know, unless he I mean, trade. I mean, I loved him as a player. I wish the Dodgers could have signed him for a short term deal, like two or three years, and you know, a reasonable amount of, of, of money that he is owed, but. To me, when you're in your early 30s and you're getting that type of deal, like that's going to last into your early 40s. I mean, uh, I, I don't right. think that's it's a good deal for for Philly or anything to have to offer. Very but pretty, I, very... I, I don't blame him at all for taking it, to be honest. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. I think the Dodgers are going to make a splash next year. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, it was just you know heartbreaking and devastating for them to to lose in the way they did. I mean, so obviously nothing's guaranteed, but I thought for sure they'd be able to handle the Padres without any problems. Yeah, but they they even they knew Justin Turner and Max Muncy um, posted some heartfelt messages, and they knew they messed up. They weren't. I mean, when you're going to like galas and having big birthday parties and you're bowling between you know your first playoff game, uh, how focused are you? I don't know the you know, the other team was hungry. Yeah. Maybe there's something to be said for only winning, maybe like, uh, uh, 80, 85 games, take winning the wild spot, wild, wild card spot. And then winning the whole thing from there, as opposed to like, you know, a record breaking, like 110 win season, but then dropping in the, the division series. Dude, I, I, I think it was a chick Hearn. I think he would say that, uh, the playoffs is like when the season actually begins or something like that. Yeah. So it's a different world in the regular season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. All right. Well, cool. So if, if that's it for tonight, uh, Sean, thank you so much for joining me tonight to talk World Cup, uh, to talk about Wakanda forever and a little bit of improv Dodger talk, which is always fun, too. <laughs> oh, for sure, man. I'm always on for Dodger talk. Very nice, man. Very nice. So, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I hope you have a very Merry Christmas with your family and we'll definitely have you up back on the show very soon sometime in uh, 2023. Sounds good, man. Take care and have a happy new year. Oh, thanks. You too, Sean. All right. You've been listening to the Casting for Fun podcast. Thanks, everybody.